What's up, everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. And we're on episode 83 of Goals and Updates. We're going to have a really good show today. <clears throat> it's Wednesday. I missed out on Monday. I apologize. Had a, uh, a little bit of, um, I was doing a little bit of like vacationing a little bit, but uh, I missed out on Monday. So we'll make that up. Uh, probably tomorrow, which is Thursday, we'll make up the, the Monday episode. But we're on episode 83 right now. Just give me one second. I'm trying to fix this. But um, we're on episode 83, so we're almost at 100, almost at 90, basically. We'll have uh, 94 by Thursday, and we're almost at 100, which is pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited. But uh, what we're going to do is how we start these shows off is um, I update you guys on my life, what's going on, show you that I'm doing um, the stuff that I'm basically telling you guys to the topics that I'm trying to implement in my own life, and then um, I do two topics. So the, the two topics I have today are small-minded thinking compared to big thinking and debt. Uh, the reason I picked the debt one was because um, I did Toastmasters yesterday, and the one girl that I did an evaluation on uh, she was talking about investing money. So I just thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to talk about debt today. Um, good debt, bad debt. Most people don't know there's there's good debt and bad debt. So I figured I'd talk a little bit about that and, you know, give some knowledge out. So what we're going to do is uh, start off with what stuff that, you know, is, that I'm doing in my life. I'm going to update you guys on my personal stuff right now. So um, I got, which is pretty interesting. I did Toastmasters yesterday and um, I didn't know I, I signed up to be an evaluator. All it means is uh, someone presents their speech. They have six and a half to seven and a half minutes to do a speech on anything they want. And then I have to evaluate it and, and be like, all right, you had clarity. Uh, your vocals were, were on point. You had eye contact with the audience. Uh, you did X, Y, and Z. And then I try to critique um, to make it better. Give her some tips. Now, I got a uh, best evaluator. So that's pretty cool. Let me see if I can get this up. So I got best evaluator which is pretty cool, right? I've never gotten that before, um, which I was pretty psyched on because I was like, I felt pretty good. As soon as she came over, what happens is they do a five-minute break. They go through the whole entire um, meeting, and then they at the in, in the middle of the meeting, they do a five-minute break. In that break, the speaker goes to the evaluator and briefs them on the, on the topic of this, on the subject topic or topic of the subject that they're going to be talking about. And then, um, so you're kind of prepared and you kind of know what she's going to be talking about. So she told me, I, I saw her write the title out on the, on the actual evaluation sheet and she wrote, um, long-term investing, uh, in stocks or something like that. It was like, it was all about long-term investing. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a great topic. I know a lot about investing. I got her right. Like I, I'm going to definitely help her out on this. So she ended up talking about stocks. I don't like stocks, which, you know, it's the, it's the most common thing in the United States is to invest in the stock market. Uh, in one point in your life, you're probably going to invest in the stock market at one point in your life. If you work at any corporation, which, you know, like, I think 90 or 80% of Americans work um, some type of corporate job in their lifetime, you're going to be invested in a 401k plan, which is directly tied into stocks. So, um, and that's what she was talking about. She was, she's basically talking about in her speech, um, she, she started a job, she started putting money away to invest into this 401k account, and she never thought about it for like 15, 20 years. And she said, all of a sudden, um, I talked to someone about investing, and I thought to myself, oh man, I've been pooling up all this money in this account, 
I got to go look at it and, and start learning about investing. And so she started talking about inflation. Uh, she said, what's up, Lisa Joe? Um, started talking about inflation. She started talking about um, like elements in investing that most Americans don't know about in her speech. And I, I, when I evaluated her, I ha it's about two and a half to three and a half minutes that you have to evaluate the person's speech. And um, I think I barely qualified. I kind of over-talked throughout the presentation because like I was kind of hyped on the situation and I could, I could explain a lot of stuff that she said and some stuff that I didn't really agree with, right? So the evaluation was pretty interesting. Now, um, so I got best evaluator, which is amazing. I've never gotten that before. I've gotten best speaker once. I've gotten best uh, table topic once. Um, but so far, I've, I think I've won every, at least every segment uh, at least once, which is pretty awesome. I also got voted in as a PR at Toastmasters, which is pretty awesome. Uh, PR is just public relations where I'm trying to draw more attention to the club. I handle their social media. I try to get more guests to show up. And then there's someone else that's uh, part of the member of the club where they go and they try to, um, they try to get that person to sign up as a member. Now, the other cool thing that I, I thought about too, because um, after this, I ended up meeting up with some some friends, and they were talking. I was like, I killed it, you know. I showed them the pa I showed them the papers that I got for getting uh, best evaluator, and they were like, Hey, like I'm just wondering if we could just show up one time on a Tuesday that you're doing this uh, at the club and just show up and just watch, you know, watch you do a speech or watch, um, you know, see how it is, and. I said, yeah, you're, they call you guys, they would call you a guest. Uh, and I was like, you can sit there and just tell them you're just, you know, you're just looking, you're just trying to see what it's all about, what the club's all about. And you could tell them you're, you're just there for me, like to see me kind of, you know, be in the, in the spotlight and, and do speeches and presentations. Um, but it, they would call that a guest. And then if, you know, if you wanted to per, uh, proceed and do public speaking and actually do the speeches, evaluations, uh, anything related that, you'd have to be a club member, uh, which it's like the first payment. I think the reason I'm telling you is by the way, too, is if you're actually interested in, in getting more into public speaking and uh, just, it's probably the, the most useful skill you'll ever try to develop in your whole entire life is public speaking right now on public. I'm doing public speaking, right? I'm doing a live stream. I'm not really in front of um, an audience, like a live audience. I kind of am uh, right now cause it's live. But um, most people that'll, that'll hit this page or this video, it's probably going to be posted. So I've, I've already done the video and people are probably, that's where I'm getting most of my traffic, right? At least for right now until I, I build this channel up or I build up my podcast. But I'm basically doing public speaking right now. I'm speaking in front of people that I do know, some of them I do know, and maybe some of them I don't know. I'm getting like random strays that I, I may not know, right? That's public speaking. It takes a lot of confidence to be able to do that. Um, when I go to Toastmasters and I do my speeches, I do them in front of random people and people that I know. It's the same idea, right? Um, like last night, we had a lot of guests. We had, a, I think, about like four or five guests last night. So whoever did their speech, I did an evaluation, by the way. So I went up there for two and a half, three, three and a half minutes and did an evaluation on a speech I've never heard of before in my life, right? It was the first time I was evaluating that person's speech. Um, so I had to come up on the spot and evaluate her and talk in front of all these people and tell them what she did right, what she didn't do right, what I would have changed, so on. So evaluation for me is kind of hard because I'm not 
I'm not too much of a, a critic. Like, I don't like telling people like, oh, you should do this, you should do that, because I'm more of a free will type person. I'd rather, you know, have the freedom to do what I want to do. But I do like getting criticism because it helps me, it shapes me into more of a um, person that most people want to see, right? If I'm just doing everything for myself, and I'm not taking in um, criticism, I'm not getting better. I'm just kind of doing what I'm doing, right? I'm just kind of doing what I want to do. And I'm not really getting better for other people. So I like criticism uh, sometimes, not always, right? I don't think anyone 100% of the time likes criticism. But if you are interested in getting better at public speaking and, you, and you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, uh, the club is called the Great Fort Lauderdale Club or the Great Fort Lauderdale Toastmasters Club, I'm pretty sure is, how, is the full name. You can look that up. Uh, we meet at the Denny's over on Oakland and uh, Powerline. It's right on that corner, Oakland and Powerline in Fort Lauderdale. You, can, you just show up. Show up. Just tell everyone you're a guest. You sign in, and you just watch the meeting, right? And you get to see some really good speakers. Um, and everyone's on different levels. Like some people recently just joined. They're really shy. I kind of just jumped into it, and I, I, I've, I've been pretty good at public speaking. My biggest thing is I want to get used to talking to live, massive audiences. My big goal in life is to be able to talk in front of thousands upon thousands of people and literally be on, on a stage and, and talk in front of thousands of people. That's a, that's a big dream and goal that I have in my personal development as a, as a human being. Um, but I, I mean, I'm pretty good. I, I don't really get too nervous. Sometimes I do, depending on what I'm talking about or depending on, uh, you know, sometimes the table topics are rough. The table topics, they give you a, someone, whoever's the table topic master, will just give you a random topic and you have to talk about it on the spot. Like no presentation, no rehearsing. You got to be quick. And you only have about a minute and a half to two and a half minutes. So you got to be really quick. You got to get it out. It, 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 sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes you get, a, you get lucky, you get a nice break and, and the topic is easy. Other times it's really challenging. You got to like, I've had to come up with like crazy stories. And uh, most of the time it comes out right. And everyone's like, wow, that's pretty good. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I just came out, you know, I just thought about things off the top of my head and it worked out. I went one way and everything clicked. But, um, but yeah, so it, it's really good. Public speaking is, is the, most people run away from public speaking. If you want anything in life, you've got to be able to get in front of people. You got to be able to, uh, sell yourself. You got to be able to sell yourself at a job. You got to be able to uh, get more people on, on your level or your playing field, get on the same page with that person. So you got to be able to speak in front of people, right? You got to be able to be a little bit more confident and pitch uh, your ideas, pitch what you want in life, because everyone's going to try to get you to go a different direction. You're going to have to be a little bit braver and push back against that and resist it. So public speaking is awesome. Now, um, I'm going to tell you real quick, we're going to move forward, but uh, it's 85. It's, it's actually a pretty reasonable price, by the way. I'm just going to give you the price so you know what you're walking into right away. But if you do decide to join Toastmasters or if you're interested, it's, I'm pretty sure the first payment was $85. And that's for, I believe it's either three months or six months. It might be three months. But, and every, I think it's every three months they collect dues. Now for the three, the first installment is 85 for three months. Then it goes down to 65 every three months and they collect dues. Um, but it, it, that's, that's pretty good. So you're paying an extra 20 when you first start. And then it's basically 65 for the whole entire forever for life. It's 65 every three months. 
like nothing. Like that's easy. You know, anyone can really afford that. It's not a lot of money. Very, very good vibes over there. If you're someone that um, you don't really like being critiqued, everyone's very, very nice. Everyone that runs it is extremely nice. We're all nice to each other because, you know, we all want respect from each other. You're there to learn, grow, and get better at speaking. So if you're interested, let me know. You can reach out to me whatever way you want, and I'll help you out, and, and we'll, uh, we'll figure out how to get you there. Now, I'm going to move on. So I, this, I had a pretty long uh, weekend. I had Friday. Is it Friday? I didn't have Friday off, but I got out early on Friday at like 3.30 from work, and then I didn't go back to work until this morning. So I had a long vacation. Now, I planned that with my friends that uh, came back, and we went to Key Largo for like two or three days. And, and the cool thing was we, we kind of just, we kind of, we wing everything we kind of do with vacations. So like if we were to go um, travel somewhere, we probably would have wung a lot of the stuff. Like we would have got like planned the hotel and stuff like that, but we would have pretty much wung the, you know, the whole entire thing. But we went to Key Largo this weekend and it was um, my friend's aunt's friend who owned like a boat on the, it was kind of like a trailer park. When I say trailer park, it didn't really feel like a trailer park. I'm going to be honest with you. When you think of a trailer park, you think more of like dingy, uh, kind of like disgusting. Um, that's kind of always what entered my mind whenever I thought about it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was really clean. It was gated. It, um, they call it a trailer park, just the way the housing is set up. Uh, they're all movable housing. So that's why it's called a trailer park, but they all have boats on the, on their little docks which is pretty cool. So the, the one, the one friend of the, of, of their aunts um, had a boat and she was trying to pitch us to go out on the boat uh, the next day. And I'm like, I'm so game. Right. I'm like, I'm so game. My two friends are like, like, I don't know. I get boat sick. Like, I don't really want to go on there. And I'm, and I'm telling myself, I got to find some way to get on the boat. <laughs> I'm like, I got to get on the boat. Right. So I end up chilling with them the night before. The first night we get there, the next day they're talking about the boat and they're trying to get out of going on the boat. And I talk, I talk them both into like bringing us there because I'm like, if we're there, it might, it's obviously going to be easier to talk them into getting onto the boat if I can convince everyone around me to get on the boat, right? So we get, we get there. I, I pretty much like pitch the idea like, hey, like we definitely should go on the boat. Like I'm, I'm so down to go on the boat. Like, we don't have to really do anything. Like, we'll just cruise around in the boat, maybe park it, <laughs> maybe park it somewhere and just, you know, come back after like an hour or two and just come back and then, you know, we'll go home because uh, my friends kind of wanted to go home. They didn't really want to like be there much longer. And <clears throat> I pitch it. I get most of the people there on board and then they're kind of like, nah, like we're going to, I think we're going to go home. So I ended up saying, all right, like you guys go home and then I'll go with, with them home. Uh, it was like two other people uh, that were there that had to drive down to the same place I was going anyways. So we all go on the boat. And the reason, by the way, it kind of relates to the first topic, small-minded thinking compared to big thinking. The reason I really wanted to get on the boat was not just because I wanted to, um, you know, enjoy, like I like boats, right? And it's, you're in the, we were at Key Largo, so you're in the Keys, so it's beautiful there, Right. Um, and it's probably the perfect spot to go on a boat. But the real reason I wanted to get on that boat was because I wanted to feel a bigger atmosphere. I wanted to experience bigger thinking. 
in the sense of what it would be like owning a boat. What would it be like uh, living on like this close to the ocean, right? I'm trying to get my mind to play out theories and think bigger than what I already know because I don't know the keys very well, right? I, I don't know outside or um, I don't know the keys that well. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build a bigger mindset of like, all right, this is what's out here. This is what, this is what I can be doing if I can get my money right, right? If I can figure out how to make a certain amount of income, uh, this is what's possible. I can, I can own a boat. I can do this. I can go fishing here if I wanted to. I'm trying to expand how my mind is thinking, what's possible, possibilities, right? It's really why I wanted to go on the boat because uh, it was going to kind of motivate me uh, to get things right. So I'm like, I end up going on the boat. I get fried. I don't, uh, I don't think there's much sun, uh, sunburn still on my face, but I got fried. Like I, I'm telling you, like my back is still really bad. Um, but overall it was, it was an amazing trip, right? We come back in a couple, like the next couple of days. Uh, uh, we were only there, I think for like two days, but come back. Uh, and did, you know, I did some other stuff. The other thing that was pretty cool too, was I got to, um, my friends are actually leaving, uh, this Thursday or tomorrow. But they're going to Houston, Texas. They do construction work. So they travel across the world and they do a lot of construction. And they're going to Houston, Texas tomorrow. And then they're going to um, Seattle. But the cool thing that, I, that actually happened was I had to, I got to help them with the, the tools. So I got to see everything. And I, and like, the funny thing is like, if you've ever been with me and I don't know anything, I ask a lot of questions. So I'm like, I'm picking certain tools up and I'm like, Hey, what's this? And like, and my friend would just be like, Hey, it's, it's this, like we, we use it for X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay. And then I'd pick up like heavy, um, like flooring. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what they were, but I pick up like something that's like 60 pounds and I'm like, Hey, what's this? And he's like, Oh, we use that for this. Hey, what's this? And he's like, Oh, we use that for that. And I'm like, wow, it's so interesting. Right. The reason I'm doing that is because I don't know if I'm going to get another chance where I'm going to help them pick up the tools and everything. So I want to learn what they know. They have information that can help me. By the way, they're they're in the construction business. The flooring they do, mostly do flooring, like tiles, uh, where they put the the cement down and they they do tiling. Um, so this is first of all, there's three things that went through my mind that day. Number one is I need the information. It'll help me with investing in real estate. That was the first thing that I thought about. That's why I'm asking all these questions. Hey, what's that? What does that do? What's this? I want to get, an, I want to get a better understanding of, of how they work, uh, the fundamentals of what they do, right? I want to understand. The second thing that went through my mind is, which I've, I've been um, thinking about for a while, and my friend even pitched it to me, was... Um, if I get to the point where I start flipping a lot of housing, partner up with them and they can help me with construction of the flipping part, right? Cause they have the, the construction knowledge where they can go and do the flooring. They can go and do X, Y, and Z. Uh, so like right off the bat, I'm thinking about partnership. Uh, the third thing that I was thinking about was, um, uh, the fundamentals of, um, basically just like, I mean, I kind of said it already, like knowledge those were kind of like the two things like knowledge. I wanted to learn more. Um, I wanted to understand the value cause he kind of went over a little bit of like how they buy it, the value of it, 
how, you know, how they flip it in a sense. Um, and I, I want to understand it so then I can partner with them and be like, hey, like, I'm going to need this done on this. Can you do it? Yeah, we could do it. We'll, uh, we'll do this, 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 and this, right? So, you know, multiple things, connections, information, and partnership, right? So that's what was going through my mind when I was helping them with all this stuff. Now, um, so that was that. That was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, so I think that's basically it. I covered, I think, majority of the stuff I wanted to cover off, the, off of that. But um, so now what we'll do is we'll move into these two topics. The two topics I have are small-minded thinking compared to big thinking and debt. So we'll start with the first one, small-minded thinking compared to big thinking. So the reason I wrote this down was uh, whenever I read a book that's about business or about someone that ha- someone that's made it kind of like a big name for themselves, either it's a movie star or it's business related, it, it always comes down to one thing they always talk about. And what they talk about is how a lot of people think too small. They don't think big enough. And what this kind of... I've kind of realized it in myself because once I started reading books and I, and my knowledge expanded, right. My knowledge got a little bit, uh, a little bit like with width, I, I kind of could picture a lot of different things. And I'm like, Hey, that like, what if we did this? What if I put this together? What if this happened? And now I'm starting to think bigger, right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really thinking about like, I'm not really thinking about money right off the bat. I'm thinking about like, all right, like if we put this process together and we put this together, we can make a whole new thing right here. And that, that, that has to do with thinking bigger, right? I'm constantly paying attention to new things. I go into a, I go into a store to buy clothing or I go into GameStop to buy a video game. I'm looking at presentation. I'm looking how the store is making money right then and there. How are they presenting this information when I walk into the store? How are they marketing? How are they selling, you know, what, what's the big seller here? Like, and that's all about big thinking. Small-minded thinking would be you're just a consumer. You're just walking in. Okay, I want, um, I want the Division 2 because it's a, you know, it's a popular game. And I feel like, you know, that's the game I want. So I'm going to go into GameStop. I'm just going to buy the division two and I'm going to go home and go play and pop the game into the, you know, whatever system I have. And that's small minded thinking. Big minded thinking is the complete opposite. I go in there and I, and I'm, I got something on my mind that I want to get while I'm there, but I'm also paying attention to the, the, the full surroundings of it. I'm looking at, you know, who's in the store, the demographic, who, who's really in this store. Uh, who, you know, what's on the walls of the store, what's on the glass doors, what's, you know, what's physically around it. That's big minded thinking. But what I realized was a lot of us are very, very small minded thinkers. Uh, most of us kind of just drift through the day, right? We're kind of just going through the motion. And I was doing that for a while. Uh, when I was about like 17 or 18, I wasn't really I wasn't really doing that. I mean, I kind of was paying attention a little bit, but at the same time, I kind of just, you know, I just went with the flow. I kind of went with everyone, what everyone else was thinking, what they were doing. As I got a little bit more into business, I started kind of trying to put processes together and go like, all right, like here's the cashier. This cashier is going to collect X, Y, and Z. Why did this person give them the money? I'm starting to think a lot bigger, right? There's a bigger picture uh, going on here. 
So that was, that was kind of like the interesting thing for me is when I started reading some books, the big, big, big tips, every single business book picked up on, um, every single, uh, person that was very, very successful always quoted was you got to think bigger than what you're already thinking about. Uh, there it's, there's a bigger, bigger, you know, massive picture compared to what you're seeing in front of you. There's a, there's a bigger process going on. So it, it's kind of interesting when you really think about it because, um, you know, now that I'm, that I'm telling you that, you know, you're probably thinking too small and that you should think bigger, you're going to start seeing it now, right? It's almost like uh, you're, you have glasses on, right? I have glasses on. And let's say my lenses are very, very foggy and I can only see a certain, you know, depth of what's in front of me. Now that I told you, you know, you're probably thinking, you're thinking too small, you got to start thinking bigger the glasses become very, very uh, open, like the, the fog starts to disappear. And you can see a lot more, right? Obviously, if, if your glasses were foggy and uh, you got rid of some of the fog, you can see a lot more. And it, like I'm telling you, you just go out to the store, start paying attention to what's going on, how the transactions are moving, uh, what the person in front of you is buying. Uh, just pay attention to every little thing that will add up to a bigger picture. Uh, pay attention to the demographic that's in there, right? How, you know, the marketing that that, that building is. Um, I can give you, if everyone probably shops at a grocery store, uh, the, the, the biggest one's probably either Walmart or Publix. Now, Publix, I think, is only in Florida. So if someone's watching this outside of Florida, it's probably Walmart that you're going to. Walmart's probably the safest bet to kind of go off of. But when you go to Walmart, pay attention to how that store's operating, right? You got the cashiers. You got someone checking, uh, you know, a lot of them, I don't think all of them do it, but you have someone that checks uh, to make sure someone's not stealing. There's only like a doorkeeper or whatever they call them. Um, <clears throat> there's probably someone in that store that is security, uh, that's undercover, probably trying to watch people, make sure that no one's stealing in the store. Now uh, you got foods, you got food places, right? You have different places that are renting this space from Walmart. Uh, the one that's close to me has a nail salon. They have a bank in there. They have eyeglass place that I think Walmart directly owns. They have a subway, right? So all these places are renting out space as a third party, right? Third party vending basically for Walmart. And <clears throat> you know, how many people are there? What time of day it is? The traffic? Who's really there? Is it more blacks, whites, Spanish? What's the, what's the age group? Is it more adults? Is it more middle-aged people? Is it more kids? Um, you know, what, how's the presentation there? Like what, what do you start off with? Normally the groceries are on the left. I'm pretty sure it's normally, uh, how Walmart does it is the left. When you first come in the, the building to the left, it's normally food, anything food related. You got the bakery, you got the, the frozen section, you got, you know, X, Y, and Z in the middle. It's normally clothes. In the very, very back, you have uh, the technology. Um, to the right, I think it's normally like uh, toys, like fishing. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Like, you know, office stuff is kind of towards the right middle. So everything has a purpose. There's a reason why everything is, is positioned that way, right? So start, start paying attention. What's the marketing like? You know, how are they marketing their food? The bakery is going to have a massive, massive sign that says, hey, buy one, get one. When you go to Walmart and you look on the shelves, it, you know, they have these massive savings stickers that go, hey, man, buy this one, get one free, right? 
That's, that's big thinking, right? That store is making money off of big thinking, not small thinking, right? So you got to start thinking bigger. The, crazy thing, the craziest thing that I realized is um, how much money is around you constantly, right? Like if you're looking at this screen right now, right? You're looking at, you're looking at, I don't know how you're listening to the podcast, but wherever you are right now, whatever, whatever way you're listening to this uh, podcast, that's money, right? Whether it's a phone, whether it's a laptop, that's a money right there. Um, this microphone is money. Uh, the TV behind me is money. That dresser is money. This, the, the, the house that I'm in right now is money. Uh, the board to the, to the right of me, I'm trying to hit it is, is money, right? Uh, the phone that I'm doing Instagram off of is money, cars, money, everything is money, right? So the other thing I kind of talked about a little bit is like shortage, like small-minded thinkers think in shortage and big-minded massive thinking thinks in, um, what's the word I'm trying to find? Uh, damn, I lost the, I lost the word, abundance, right? Like you have enough. Abundance of, a, of whatever it is, abundance of cars, abundance of money. Um, there's loads of, of stuff that's available to you, right? But small-minded people are like, oh, like, there's not enough cars, there's not enough money for me to have so I can go and buy this. Uh, there's not enough of that, right? That's small-minded. So what was crazy is if you just do it for a day, right? Go, you know, work your normal um, day, you know, like let's, tomorrow's Thursday, Right, so just go through your normal Thursday and start paying attention to every all the money that's around you. Right, start paying to all the money that's around you. You're gonna pass hundreds and thousands of stores that are making money every single day. The massive amounts of cars on the highway, especially if you're in South Florida, there's massive, massive traffic here in cars. Um, the people that are around you that probably have money in their pockets, right? Whether it's a debit card, credit card, uh, cash. Um, the transportation that's around you, which I basically said was cars, but the buses, which is like uh, the city, you know, the city's running that. Um, the housing, all the houses that you pass on a daily basis, thousands upon thousands of houses that you pass a day, that's, that's all sitting cash. Literally sitting cash is, the, uh, is, is a house. You're just sitting on cash with a house, right? So that's all pure money. So... <clears throat> the, the reason I'm telling you that, it, you know, is to really wake you up, really start looking at things differently. Once you start looking at things differently, it's like part, it, you know, it's, it's part of this, it's part of like waking up and realizing that you got to start thinking bigger. What most people don't realize is that, um, you know, you're kind of trained to think small because every single day you're on a schedule, right? Like if you're working on nine to five, you're getting up at, you know, let's say you're getting up at like seven in the morning, maybe six. And then you're going to work from nine all the way till five. I do 10 to 6.30, right? So all that time you're kind of trained and you're not really thinking outside the box. You're just kind of going through, you're drifting. That's why a lot of people get stuck in the small-minded thinking and they're not thinking outside of the box, not thinking bigger. Now, the one person that I can probably honestly tell you that thinks the biggest, which some people might not like, because uh, you know, like half the country likes him, half the country doesn't like him, but uh, is uh, Donald, Donald Trump, right? Uh, whether you hate him or whether you love him, Trump's always been uh, go big or go home, right? 
Uh, he went in and did like massive, uh, I think he built the biggest casino. Now the casino didn't work, right? I think he went in, I think it was a Taj Mahal. He went and built the Taj Mahal and uh, it was the biggest casino that anyone's ever built. Now he didn't, he didn't make it. He ended up, I think he basically went like borderline broke, meaning like he had to sell all his assets. He had to get rid of certain, you know, assets that he had to basically just break even, you know, try to go and fight for different things. But um, the, the point being is like, he, you have to think massively, right? If he wasn't thinking big, he would be borderline broke still right now, but he's still labeled as a billionaire. Cause why? Cause he thought big enough to get himself out of the problem. And then he thought big enough to get himself back to a point of wealth that he wanted to get to. Right. The biggest thing that you can argue is, you know, everyone told him he wasn't going to be president of the United States. And now look, he's president of the United States for at least, uh, now he's going on his fourth year. So we'll see, you know, I don't know if he's going to make it um, for another four years and, and do a full two terms, but the point being is everyone said that he couldn't do it and he did it. Why? Because he thought bigger than the masses of people, right? He thought massive and that's what got him to being president of the United States of America. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to talk too much about him only for the fact that I'm not trying to make it political, but I'm trying to give you some, some, uh, some examples that everyone can see and relate, right? Everyone, everyone knows that story. Uh, whether you like him or hate him. Now, I'm trying to think uh, small. I'm trying to think, I give you another example. I give you an example of my own life with small-minded and, and big thinking. Small. When I started working, right, I started at age 16 and I worked for an ice skating rink. Now, at the ice skating rink, I didn't think of you know making obviously hundreds and thousands of dollars. I was just thinking like, okay, I got a car payment and I got car insurance. I need a job. Um, I, you know, my parents basically told me to go get a job. I got to go get a job. So I started off at, I think $8 an hour, eight fifty. It might've been eight or eight fifty, right? Very, very low. Right. So, and I wasn't, I worked a lot of hours, so I didn't make a decent amount of money. Cause back then we, we could work almost like full-time hours and not, and, um, the companies would let us do that. Cause back then they didn't have that healthcare rule. So, um, I was working a lot of, lot of hours. And at the time when I was working that, obviously I wasn't thinking about like, okay, I'm going to go, uh, what's up, Jimmy? I wasn't thinking like, okay, I'm going to go work at this ice skating rink and I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm just thinking, okay, I just got to pay some bills, right? The big minded thinking happened after I went from the ice skating rink and then I, I, I went to college, right? Then I got an internship. And I started, once I started jumping to different jobs, once I started putting myself in uncomfortable situations and I started making a little bit more money, right? Every single year I started making a little bit more money. I started thinking about things and I, and that's when the big minded thinking happened, right? I went from small minded thinking to big minded thinking. Cause now I'm like, okay, I'm making about, you know, I, I, let's say I filed taxes that year or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'm making about $10,000 right now. How can I make it to $15,000? And then I'd go and find a different job, right? And I'd start working my way up the, the ladder, right? Um, and then from there, you're like, okay, I made 15 grand now. How can I make it to 20 grand or 25 grand or more than, you know, $15,000? And that's when, you know, opportunities started showing up. And then I said, okay, um, I picked up this skill from this place. I picked up that skill from that place. 
if I put the, if I put multiple skills together, can I form something that's bigger that'll pay me more? Right? So that I started getting, I started thinking bigger, not smaller, right? My, my the information that I started getting got me to think bigger. And that's when I started kind of make, you know, I was able to make more money than I was making before. So that, that's how you should be thinking, uh, not thinking small. You got to start thinking big. Now, sometimes it's kind of hard to think massive because sometimes you get these ideas. Like I've had ideas before and I kind of talked myself off of doing the idea, right? Because sometimes it's overwhelming. Like when you're thinking massive, you're like, all right, I need uh, the resources. I need the money. I need this. So you kind of talk yourself off the ledge of thinking big. And what normally happens is then you just lose the idea. The, the reason you shouldn't, when you're thinking massive, you really shouldn't be thinking in terms of um, like overwhelmingness. Like you shouldn't be like, you just come up with the idea, the massive idea. Like, okay, th- like if I did this, this, and this, this would put together and make this idea. Or uh, even think of something that's, that you haven't even done yet. Like I have goals of, um, I have goals right now of trying to help a million individuals uh, in the world right? A million people in the world. Now, I don't know how I'm going to hit a million people. I just know I want to help a million people. Um, so that's a, that's a goal that I have. That's a massive, massive goal is help a million people. Now, it, does, it doesn't matter if I'm helping people do charity. doesn't matter if I'm helping people out the job I'm at right now. doesn't matter if I'm helping people with done deal investments. It doesn't matter if I'm helping uh, people when I go and speak at Toastmasters and only help maybe one person that needed a, a motivational speech. And I just so happened to help them get through a, a tough time and realize life is more than what they think it is. Um, doesn't matter if I help, you know, my friends out. Doesn't matter if I help my family out. It all adds up to, you know, that million, that million, um, that million goal, basically. Helping a million people um, and help me reach that goal. It all adds up. So the point that I'm trying to tell you is it's okay if you can't figure out how to get to the goal. Just come up with a massive, massive goal. Come up with a massive idea in your head and then think about it later and and start and start working on it right but the point is you want to start thinking bigger um and it it is challenging like it's not it's not an easy thing like it sounds easy like okay i'm just gonna think bigger but the the thing that you don't realize until you start doing it is you kind of your inner self starts talking yourself out of uh thinking bigger like oh that's impossible that's you can't do that um it's happened to me a couple times when i was thinking about like I was thinking about this idea of um, kind of like real estate. Even when I first started thinking about like real estate, I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't have any information on real estate. I don't have money to buy real estate. I don't have this. And then I almost, ta- you know, I kind of talked myself uh, for a couple of weeks basically of like not, um, not doing a business basically. And it was just because, you know, I, I was kind of, you know, at the time I was scared when I was thinking a certain way, I was like, I don't know how to do that. But what happens is once you start going down that path, everything starts aligning. You start realizing like, all right, I got to start um, reading about this. I got to learn about X, Y, and Z. I got to um, find out how to get money this way, um, how to sell, how to market, right? And you just do it, right? Like the biggest example I can give you too is think about if you were getting chased by um, a, um, a leopard or um, a cheetah, Right? Your, pro- your chances are very, very slim of outrunning the cheetah, but maybe, just maybe, and like, you know, I might sound crazy if you're saying this, but just maybe from that instance of knowing like life or death, 
Like whenever you have a life or death experience, right, you, you tend to overcome the odds. Why? Because you're not thinking about failing. You're thinking about, oh, man, I, I got I to go. I got to do whatever I got to do to survive, right? So if a cheetah is running after you, um, you might be able to run a lot faster than, than your normal speed, right? Like if you're trying to challenge yourself at the gym and, and run a certain pace on a treadmill, you're probably going to outrun um, or outdo yourself running away from a cheetah because it's life or death. You're like, oh, you're like, oh, shit. Like, oh, shit. I'm going to die if I don't outrun the cheetah, right? So the, the point that I'm trying to make is uh, think big and figure out the rest later. It's kind of what the saying is, like, think big and figure out things later, like, as you go. Because um, if you overthink too much on the idea, you're going to talk yourself out of the idea. Now, <clears throat> that's small-minded thinking compared to big thinking. Now, the next one we're going to talk about is debt. The reason I, I wanted to talk about debt is when I, when, I, when I heard this speech yesterday and the person was talking about stocks and investing, um, I just thought, you know, I went through some of the, the topics in my phone and I was like, okay, like debt would be a good topic. A lot of people uh, know what debt is, but a lot of people don't know there's good debt and bad debt. And it would probably be an interesting conversation to talk about on, you know, the 83rd episode of Goals and Updates. So what I was thinking was, uh, with debt, uh, most people think debt is bad, right? Now, they're, they're, they're partially right. The reason I, I say that is um, like bad debt would be considered like credit card consumption. Um, I would argue with you that college is probably bad debt. Um, most people probably argue with me that it's not bad debt. You're investing in yourself. Depends, right? Um, and most of it's pretty much bad debt from college. Like I'm going to be bluntly honest with you. Most of college debt is, is garbage. Right. But, um, the other, the other bad debt that you could think about is like loans, right? Like loans, personal loans. Uh, some people might argue with, um, but it just, it, it depends on the, on like those loans, right? Like I don't, I think a loan on a, on a house, um, might not be that great of an investment if, if you have to borrow a lot of money to buy that house, right? Uh, car loans, right? A lot of people finance, uh, leasing is definitely the better option. Uh, some people might, you know, well, probably half the people might disagree with that, but leasing, uh, is by far the better option. Um, most people are probably going to try to take out a loan and finance a car. It's probably like more than half the population will probably finance to, um, to buy a car. I consider, you know, the financing part is probably a bad deal, but that's buying a car. I'm trying to think what else you could do. Now, what I mean by good debt is things that you're investing in yourself. So good debt would be investing in education for yourself. Now, I'm not talking about college. Um, I'm talking about like courses. Like, for instance, I have a business, right? Dundee Investments, LLC. Uh, good debt on that would be like if I take money from a bank and I go and buy a real estate course or I go and buy I go and buy licensing for uh done deal investment so I can make more profit when I go and do a deal or I go and try to buy real estate and flip it and make a profit right I had to borrow money because maybe I didn't have the full amount of money to put up front so I borrowed some debt from the bank bought the real estate, flipped it, sold it, and made money on the deal, 
that would be a good debt, right? Um, I'm trying to think what else I'm going to tell you. Now, the reason I'm talking about college is it, it's it's kind of like a 50-50 or probably, it's probably more like 75, 20, uh, 25%, 75 being bad debt, 25% probably being good debt, um, is the good, like, well, let's start with the bad, right? The bad debt on college would be if you're getting government loans, which I'd say maybe 85% to 90% of, uh, of people that go to college get some type of government loan. Government loans are the worst debt you can possibly get into. Uh, interest, they'll, they're pretty much almost like if you didn't pay the IRS, they'll garnish your wages. They'll embarrass you at your job. They'll call your boss and be like, hey, this person owes us money. Um, <clears throat> they'll do a lot of different things if you're not willing to work with them. Um, and you pay them, like, you pay, you pay them almost, people say almost for the rest of your life. Probably depends how much money you borrow to government loans, but I knew a person that I was working with where they were talking about, um, they were still paying their debts, and they went to college like 20, 25 years ago, and they're still paying their college off, and they had a master's degree. Uh, I don't think she probably needed the master's. But, and that's the other thing too. A lot of us go and, and think we need a master's. We need a doctorates. Uh, probably not the doctorates. I, I, the doctorates is, I don't think the doctorates is as rare as people want to think, but it's not what everyone's really going for. It's normally like the master's or the bachelor's. Bachelor's is still iffy. Uh, master's is, you know, it, it probably depends what you're trying to do. But that's what I'm saying. It really depends what, what your outcome is in college, where you're trying to go. Um, like I said, I, I met this one girl at this, uh, at this event one time and she was talking about how she went in, went to FAU and they talked her into going for some kind of geo, it was some kind of like geo, uh, science or geographic, um, some kind of like scientific event, uh, damn Instagram went up, but some kind of scientific event and she said she went in and paid all this money. She got a, she got a bachelor's and no one, no one, you know, she couldn't use the degree. Like, uh, like every single city hires one of whatever she got her degree in. And it's really hard to find a job. It's not a high in demand job. Uh, it's, it's, you got to get lucky. You got to know a lot of people to get in there. So you got to network a lot and it's, it doesn't really pay that well. She doesn't, you know, even if she got a job, it's not going to really pay her that well because it's not high in demand. So uh, there's really no growth within that, um, within that degree or career. And so she, you know, wasted all this money. I'm sure she has student, uh, you know, student loans or government loans. And she went and, you know, now she's got to figure something out. She probably has to go back to school or she has to figure something out to, you know, now pay this loan off. Um, but, you know, that's what I mean. That's, that was a terrible, terrible, terrible bad debt, right? That she went and, and did college. And it happens a lot of people. I know a lot of people that went to a four-year university and now they're back home and they can't find work. Why? Because it didn't really network. Uh, they probably didn't really look up the, you know, is it really a high, high demand or high in demand job? Uh, they probably just picked it because that's what they wanted to do. And they didn't really do a lot of research on the degree. And they just followed what the school basically said. And they probably said, you know, do loans, do this. Um, I had another, I had another friend, not a friend. It was more of an, it's an ex-girlfriend, but uh, she went and tried to go get, 
some, I guess some financial help. She, she wanted to do like beauty school and she goes to the school and they go, Hey, we know you don't have the money, but you can get this loan. And they said, uh, in order for you to qualify for the loan, you would have to get a co-signer, which would be your, you know, probably your parents. And if your parents sign this, they'll get denied. And then you'll go and do X, Y, and Z. When she told her, her, uh, she's telling her mom, I think the story. And I was right there. I was listening and she told the whole story how I just told you. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Um, they said the same thing, uh, with my, with, uh, with one of my, uh, parents with my sister and unfortunately qualified for it. And now I'm, you know, now my dad's kind of stuck on top of that loan. So I'm like, I would, I would not highly, you know, highly recommend doing that because they're just telling you that so they make money off of it. And so that you just pay for college and now you're in the school. Um, I wouldn't do that. And so, and her mom's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, that's stupid. doesn't make any sense anyways. But, you know, unfortunately, most people probably do that. Most people do fall for that. And then they, they have their parents co-sign this student loan and they go, oh, you're going to get denied. Don't worry about it. And then they get approved. And then now their parents are sucked into the student debt uh, for their kids, right? On top of whatever other debt they have, because they probably have debt. Uh, most people are in debt. Um, so, you know, now they have more debt on top of that that affects their credit. And, you know, now they're stuck paying, you know, helping their kids out with the, with the debt. So the, the point is, um, the point is college has probably more downsides with debt than anything. We have more college debt. The craziest part to really think about is the United States has, I think, about like $1.3 or $1.6 trillion of student loan debt in America, right? That's, and it's like three or four times more than credit card consumption debt, which blows my mind because I would have I really assumed that credit card debt would outweigh the student debt just because so many people probably just pull out a credit card, pay for things that they probably can't afford just because it's extra money, um, you know, help them get through. Maybe they're a little bit behind on rent, so they use it to try to get in front of the rent. Um, but, you know, I, I would never have assumed that. I would never have really thought about that until I started reading a little bit more into college and the debt. And um, that's a topic that is really talked about politically is, um, you know, student debt, college debt in the United States. Now, I don't think it's talked about enough um, because, you know, the government's making money off it. So they really don't want to expose it too much because the government's making money off everyone through college. And the thing that most people don't realize is uh, most of the information we have is from sources that are making money off of it. Right. Um, and most people argue, you know, that's probably everything you do, but the, the bigger picture here. So now we're going to go back to a little bit of like thinking bigger, right? So these kind of go hand in hand. That's why I kind of did them too, because um, small minded people with debt, right? If you're thinking small minded with debt, uh, you're going to get suckered into a lot of things because you don't, you, you don't know. You're just listening to other people telling you things. You're not trying to think bigger on debt. Uh, but most, if you can think bigger, like who's really making money off this debt? Where, you know, how do I find the money to pay for this? Uh, can I really afford this? And you start thinking a little, a little bit bigger, you'll, you'll see, you know, how people are getting suckered into some of this stuff. Uh, the biggest thing that happened to my sister was my sister went to college, and they did, um, 
they were accumulating interest on top of Ashley. You know, she doesn't, she didn't have to pay anything up front. So this is kind of like a little trick they, they do on you too, where, Oh, don't worry. You don't have to pay for it. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you know, your plan is to go to school for four, six years. Don't worry about the bill. Um, we'll just, you know, let's say it's, let's say it's $10,000 a year and you go to college for six, six years, right? $60,000 right there. You know, don't worry about paying it for 60,000. Um, you pay it, you know, once you get out of the six years, but, um, what happens is they accumulate interest as you're going through the years, right? Which most people, I don't think most people read it or most people don't see it. And I'm sure that they're probably hitting a lot of people on that as well. So you have to, you have to understand there's a lot of, lot of bad debt that's involved in that. So, you know, and if you're if thinking too small, you're not going to catch that. You got to start thinking a lot bigger. So that's that. Um, another good debt that I can probably tell you too, is like, if you're investing in, you're investing in something that will appreciate over time. So, uh, this is where a lot of people would probably uh, argue what's a good investment and what's not a good investment. Now, some people might say it's Bitcoin. Some people might say it's real estate. Some people might say it's uh, stocks. Um, you know, there's plenty of investments that you can probably put your money into and try to make a profit out of it. Um, but everyone's going to have a different opinion on what that really is. Uh, I, you know, if I had to pick one, I would definitely say it's real estate. Uh, but you know, a lot of people are probably going to argue it's a stock market. Um, I, you know, I really don't agree with the stock market, but you know, either way that, that, that would be considered a good investment. Um, when you're investing, you know, you're saving money and you're putting money into an investment that'll appreciate and multiply your money. That would be considered, um, a good, you know, good debt where maybe you took debt and you're trying to make more money off the debt. Uh, so commercial, commercial or multifamily commercial real estate, right? Where it's multiple, uh, multiple apartment doors on top of one community. So you could have, let's say two to 400 doors in one location in a community. And, you know, you have to, and you have to get debt to buy that, right? Let's say it's a million dollar property you're going to take a certain amount of percentage and you're going to, you know, go to the bank, get a certain amount of percentage on the money that you're going to go and buy that property. Let's say you, you know, I want to do 50% of that. So you have to go and get a loan from the bank for 500,000, right? Cause it's uh, that's half a million, right? $500,000 from the bank and the bank gives you that cash. You put it into the deal. You put, you know, you fund or maybe you have $500,000 to put on top of that. Now you got a million dollar property, right? Uh, that you invested in with debt. Over time, the $500,000 will then, you know, you're using someone else's money, the bank's money or other people's money to give yourself leverage. That's good debt to buy something that you probably couldn't buy on your own. And then, and then you'll make money back, pay off that loan. And now you'll make, you know, pure profit after that. So that's, that's good debt. Most people don't know that. I'd actually probably argue that maybe 90% of 85, maybe 90% of Americans probably don't know that, right? The, the difference between good debt and bad debt leveraging. Um, so that, that's, that's something that's really key with debt when you're, when you're trying to consider debt. Um, 
maybe you want to open up a business, right? And um, you have to maybe borrow some type of money. Maybe you have to use a credit card. That's where the credit card would kind of come in good. Um, if you had to do something where it wasn't a massive expense, but it was something maybe like you just needed a little bit of money to go and get something that might make you back more money in that business, right? Uh, good debt too could be for credit card, like a personal credit card, right? Not a business card or anything like that, but a personal one. And you're trying to do something where maybe it'll, it would give you back more money personally, right? That'd be considered kind of using the credit card for good debt or an investment. Uh, you never use credit cards for anything that's depreciating items. You do things that will appreciate over time or it's some type of investment of education, right? Anything that will appreciate over time and value you use that card for, or that, you know, that excess amount of money that's a loan. And you try to stay away from things that depreciate like cars and jewelry and uh, materials, things that'll depreciate over time and, and won't have much value shoes, right? Try to stay away from that stuff. Um, that's the key. That's what they really don't really teach you, right? They don't really teach you that about debt. Um, but you know, like, unless it's ingrined and you really don't think about it because some that's what I was doing at first too is when I first got my credit card <clears throat> I wasn't really thinking about uh investments or depreciating items I was just like okay I got a credit card I got to put a little bit of money on I gotta make sure I can pay it off kind of every single month and I'm like all right I'm just gonna use it for gas I'm gonna build up a little bit of credit um, but by the way credit is pretty important too uh definitely I, if you don't know much about credit I definitely would highly recommend um, looking up, you know, different tips on credit because I had a friend that I met a long time ago. Um, we were talking about credit and like housing and stuff like that, like kind of talking about investing and debt. And I was like, yeah, I was like, my credit report is X, Y, and Z. I'm like, like, um, I know you're trying to get a new car. She had like a really bad car. Uh, she, it's like an old, old, old Toyota, I think. And I'm like, like, and she's always having problems. She always has to take it to the mechanic. It's really old. And I'm like, so you're going to get a new car more reliable. And she's like, yeah, uh, she's like, yeah, but I'm going to struggle with credit. And she's like, I don't have any credit cards. I got nothing where, um, you know, I don't have anything that's going to help me establish credit. And I said, well, I was, I was like, maybe start it now. Like it's pretty easy to go get a credit card. Just go get a credit card and start putting gas on it and pay it off every single month. Or, you know, put like certain items that like maybe like certain items that you, you know, you're going to buy every single week and just pay it off. Just make sure that you're not overspending on that card and you can pay it off every single month or at least, uh, I think it's 30, you're not supposed to use more than 30% um, on that credit card every single month or else it affects your credit score. Uh, it actually lowers the credit score. So that's what I was trying to explain to her. Like I would just go get a credit card and, and work on it. But, um, but yeah, so that's a, that's a tip. Like I def credit is probably the most important thing that I have learned with finances is credit, uh, debt, uh, investing. I'm trying to think if there's anything else income, right? There's like the four things that I can think off the top of my head that are the most important that most people do not know about. So remember it's credit, investing, debt, and income. Okay. So that that's debt. Now we're going to move on to Dundee investments. I'm going to try to wrap this up really quick. So 
For anyone that doesn't know, my name is Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments LLC, where the deal is already done. Now, um, this business is designed to help distressed sellers and put them together with investors, right? So a distressed seller is anyone that financially cannot sustain their property on their own. So this could be they have liens from the city, any citations where it's holding them back, they can't afford it, and they're going to they're gonna end up probably losing their house. Uh, Pre-foreclosure, it's the same idea. They're, they're behind on payments on the house. Um, most of the time it's a mortgage from the bank. So they're behind on, on payments and the bank's going to repossess. They're going to lose all of their money that was put into the house, the mortgage. And at the same time, they're going to lose, um, they're going to screw up their credit, right? It's going to go on their report. It's going to mess up everything. Foreclosure is a very, very nasty process. It's not fun. Um, this would help them. This is a resource for them. Job transfers, homes that have been inherited by someone else. Um, Job transfers are pretty important because sometimes you only have a week notice and you have to move within that week. And if you go through a real estate agent, you might not be able to sell it within a week. You have to maybe, sell, it might take them like three weeks to a month, right? So I, you know, I strongly encourage if you know anyone that is doing a job transfer um, that, you know, have them reach out to Done Deal Investments. Uh, the other stuff that it could help with is really anyone that, you know, maybe you don't like dealing with real estate agents. A lot of times, a lot of people, cause it's the real estate market is very saturated. There's a lot of people that are um, labeled or licensed as real estate agents. And sometimes you get really bad ones and they collect high commission fees or they just take a little bit too long to sell. They don't have like a, a pre, you know, a, a list that has pre pre um, buyers on it or anything like that. You're kind of just, trying to put it out there and market it and have people, you know, walk the property and buy it. And you might, you know, you might want to go through a lengthy process. Uh, if you're going through a messy divorce, you might want to sell it really quick. Right. So that's where done deal investments would really help out a lot of people is um, any of those types of situations. Now it doesn't, if you're not finding, you know, if you're not in any bad financial conditions with your property where you really don't need assistance, but you just want to maybe sell the house really fast. Uh, we could definitely still help you out, right? We, we can definitely help you sell the house fast. We just want a faster process of selling your house because uh, you've sold houses before and it's just a slow, um, overwhelming process. And maybe you just want a faster, easier process. Dundill Investments can 110% help you out that way. Now, now I call it the three steps to financial freedom in order to help you guys out. So the three steps to financial freedom. The first step is you have to contact Done Deal Investments. Whether it's the email, whether it's uh, the web, going to the website, filling out a form, whether it's going on any social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whether it's contacting me directly through the cell phone number, um, you could text me. I'm trying to think if there's any, like I'm pretty much everywhere. So, and everything's notified. So no matter what you do, should notify me directly on my cell phone um, so I have easy access to it and I should be able to contact you now the only thing I'm um, that might restrict me from getting back to you right away is I do work a full-time job right now with a home warranty company where I work from 10 in Monday through Monday it's 10 to about 6 30 p.m. Tuesdays I'm off, so Tuesdays are probably the best time to reach out to me and, and work with me on um, anything related to Dundee Investments. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday 
actually, let me go back. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, it's from 10 to 6.30 p.m. Saturday, it's from 8 in the morning to about 4.30 p.m. So even Saturday, you can reach out to me too. I'll get back to you pretty quick. But um, if you call me on any – and Sundays, I'm off. So even Sundays is a good time for me too if, if, if you really need something. Um, but uh, if you're calling me on a weekday where I'm, I'm working, you know, that, that 10 to 6.30 and, and you call me in between – I'll do my very best to call you on a break or, you know, during lunch or whatever I can possibly do to reach out, you know, reach back out to you as fast as I can. But most likely what's going to happen is I'm going to call you back after 630 or I'm going to, um, I'm going to try to call you like the morning before and just wake up early and try to contact you or, uh, whatever, you know, whatever works best for you. But, um, I just want to give you a heads up cause you might have to leave a voicemail if you're calling me. And I'll get back to you. Just just know that if, if you do receive, you know, if you do hit a voicemail, it's because I'm out, you know, I'm at my full time job and I can't use my cell phone at that at that job. It's a, a no cell phone zone is what is what they're calling it. Um, so I can't be on my phone. I got to be constantly focused and productive at that job. Now, <clears throat> so that's the first step. Contact me in some way, shape, or form. Contact Dundee Investments. The second step is. We would then have to set up an appointment for me to go to your property. I'll take five pictures inside and five pictures out. I'm going to bring a sheet with me to give me an estimate, you know, write down all the stuff that needs to be worked on the property for the investor to invest into. And then from there, it's pretty basic. From there, um, I just, you know, I go home. I'll answer any questions you have too, by the way. If I go there and you're like, hey, like what's, you know, how do we do this? How do we do that? I'll answer all your questions. Um... And from there, what will happen is I'll go home, I'll run comps on, on your property in the neighborhood to see, you know, how much your average house is worth um, in that neighborhood. That'll give us the average value. And from there, we'll then go into uh, negotiation stage where um, I'm just going to basically get your average price, what your home's value is, the average price. I'm going to deduct how much it's going to take for that investor to invest into that property. And then from there, we're going to negotiate on whatever that price is um, and the terms as well. So like if you need to stay in that house for another three weeks, you need to, um, you know, find a real estate agent. You need whatever you need to do in order for us to, in order for done deal investments to help you get to that next stage in your life with, um, with getting another property or renting or whatever you want to decide to do, just, you got to let me know and I'll work it out with the investor, right? So that's the, that's the third and final step. Once everything is negotiated and the terms and everything are good and we agree on everything, I catch the investor back, you know, up to speed on everything that we discussed and agreed upon. Once all three parties are good, we then sign a contract, all three of us. The investor then takes over the property. We give you the, the cash offer and, and the terms that we agreed upon. And then you can go and find another property. So you can go and buy another property. You can rent a, you know, rent a place. It's up to you what you want to do, what you financially feel comfortable doing. Um, I have other resources that I can help you with. Like if you need a real estate agent, you need a home inspector, you need financing, whatever you need, I will most likely have a contact. And if I don't have a contact for it, I'll find it for you. Now, um, the investor is obviously going to be happy with the deal because he's going to invest in what um, I basically told him he needs to invest in. And he's going to try to flip it, make a profit off of it, 
Done Deal Investments will make a uh, finder's fee or a commission fee. And this, the coolest part about this is an investor will pay Done Deal Investments. The seller doesn't, doesn't um, pay a commission fee out of it, right? The investor will pay Done Deal Investments uh, from the deal. Now, <clears throat> the, the other cool thing too with this whole thing is, is everyone wins on the deal, right? Like all three parties win, no one loses. Um, <clears throat> the seller is obviously very happy because they're getting out of a financial or a very rocky situation that would have financially probably crushed them or would have messed up you know, their financials um, to a point where it would have taken them years upon years to fix, right? And, and, and done deal investments and whoever the investor would be on that deal help that person out. Now, the other cool thing too is uh, the investor is actually trying to flip it to give it to someone else that might be able to afford the home a little bit better and, and might not, you know, won't be in that financial situation and they'll give a better condition type home and give it to someone else that will be able to, uh, you know, live in that home. So the cool thing too is it's, it's building up the community as well. It's helping someone that really needs the help and then it's flipping the house so that someone that wants to move in there will have a better um, condition of living in that in that house they're investing into. So that's the that's the really cool part about the whole entire um, you know the whole entire idea behind Dundee Investments with the with the wholesaling and everything is you're really helping everyone in all angles. It's it's one of those very rare situations where um, everyone's kind of winning on the deal as I like to say, everyone's winning on the deal. So, you know, no one's, no one's losing on this deal uh, or deals, I should say, because it's going to be more than one deal, obviously. But um, so that, that's the interesting part. Well, what I really want to do with Dundee Investments before I wrap this up is I really want to get it to a point where it's expanded and it can help give uh, a lot of different resources to property owners where we could have home inspections, real estate agents, um, what's the other thing, financing right? Like have brokers that can help you with the financing part. We could have um, just, you know, like every aspect that you would have to go through if you were doing this, where we would basically be able to help you out and just have all these resources for property owners and just be a, you know, be a bigger thing. But, um, you know, that's in the future. Like all I can do right now, all, all we're, all we're able to do at this moment of time is, is to sell your property fast and, and match it with an investor. Uh, but I'm working right now on putting home inspections in place. So I don't, you know, I've been saying four months, I, you know, as I get a little bit closer, um, I don't really think it's going to be four months. So um, I, I don't know the exact date because I, I got to go through the training. I figured out, you know, I figured out a little bit on pricing, what I would need. Um, I still need a little bit more information. I still got to go through training courses and then get the license portion of it done. And then I got to figure out insurance. So there's still, there's still a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, of moving parts in order to do the, the actual um, home inspections for Dundee Investments LLC. So whenever I get that done, I'll just keep updating you guys on each episode and I'll, I'll let you know where I, I'm standing on with it, what's going on with it. And I'll just keep updating you guys. But if you want a uh, free home inspection, um, I don't, you know, I, I don't have a time to really give you at this point in time. But if, if you do in the future want a free home inspection, I mean, they're, they're extremely important. Most people might underplay them, but, um, but if you do want a free home inspection, just let me know, uh, contact Dundee Investments LLC directly. 
and let them know that you want a um, a free home inspection and we'll put you on a list. And once it becomes available, we'll reach out to you and you'll be one of the first people that we'll try to reach out to for a free home inspection. Um, the reason I want to do the free home inspections real quick before I sign off is um, I really want to get uh, some feedback on on different things that we're doing. So in order to do that, I felt like if I gave some value uh, doing the free home inspections, then um, then all you had to do is do a, a free rev- like basically a free review. Just give us a review and and rate us on the service. Give us some feedback. This way, I could correct it. You know, try to figure out um, what we're doing right and what we're not doing right. And you know, and it's good value. I mean, they're worth about 150, I think, to 200 dollars roughly for each uh, home inspection. And you know, it's really important that you have this. Like, it, it'll save you a lot of money in the in the long run. That's why I really wanted to do it. On uh, you know, 150 to 200 dollars doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, but free is free, right? Um, and at the same time, you know, the 150 to 200 dollars in reality would be a good investment because it's going to save you a lot of money. Um, in the long run, you're going to know exactly what's probably not going to last you much longer, what to invest your money into that property. Uh, you're also going to be able to fight certain things. Like if you have a warranty company for appliances and they go, Hey, this is labeled as pre-existing conditions. You show them the home, uh, home inspection report and go, Hey, it's not pre-existing. Pay me for this repair, either repair this, replace this, or pay me directly so I can go and uh, repair and replace this. Right. So you, your warranty company won't push you around if you if you do have one. You'll have the home inspection. Um, you know you won't waste money on your property. You'll invest in the right things within that property. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Like so the the home inspections are, are very important. You're gonna want one of those. But we're gonna offer those for free once we get licensed. So if you really want to get a free home inspection, just reach out to Dundee Investments LLC. But um, I think this is gonna do it. I felt pretty good. This is episode 83 of Goals and Updates. Very, very, very close to 100 episodes. I'm really, really ecstatic for that. Um, But uh, we'll do an episode tomorrow, which will be Thursday. I'll make up for Monday. And then that'll wrap it up for Goals and Updates for this week. Uh, My name's Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Thank you guys for watching. Have a great rest of your week. See you tomorrow.